0: This is Jeff Patterson, the senior pastor of Weston Memorial Church in High Point, North Carolina. Thank you for subscribing to our podcast. It's great to stay connected. I'm excited about the new sermon series uh, that is beginning in the month of August. It is a study of the book of Habakkuk, a great Old Testament prophet. The title of the sermon series is When God Doesn't. Because the prophet asked God some really tough questions in the book. And we're going to study that book together and learn how to uh, worship and love and serve God in the midst of very confusing times. So thank you for joining us. I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you. That's a clip from the movie Lord of the Rings, and a great uh, quote indeed, where Frodo, if you don't know, who's carrying this ring of power that he has to get rid of, and by the time He's carrying this burden over the course of the movies and the books and it becomes too much for him to bear, even to the point where he uh, says to Gandalf, I wish this had never even happened in my time. And Gandalf replies, so do I. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. You know, in every generation whether we go through a time of plague or a world war or a global pandemic everyone does think that at some point I wish this had not happened in my time. Why God? Every generation has asked these questions. Why God? Why would this happen? But here's something I've learned as the older I've gotten and it is this that Every man and woman will eventually die, but not every man and woman truly lives. It is in the struggle of the age that we find ourselves, it is in that struggle that we have a choice. What will we do with the time that is given to us? Will we run to God with our godly lament? Will we run to him and be emotionally honest before him? Will we pour out our hearts in prayer, and in intercession, or will we become narrow-minded complainers, too afraid to cry, too afraid to dance or worship? Because what we're dealing with is nothing new. Every generation has said and prayed, God, why? Why was I born in such a time as this? How long will this continue? How long Do I have to sing this song? Are you there, God? Or lately, people have been even wondering, who's exactly in charge? Where are the adults? And then you realize, oh, I'm the adults. Now I'm the man. St. Augustine had a great quote about this, where he said, bad times, hard times, this is what people keep saying. But let us live well, and the times shall be good. We are the times. Such as we are, such are the times. So today we begin a new sermon series called When God Doesn't. And we're going to be looking at the minor Old Testament prophet of Habakkuk. And you're going to see here that he's going to be pouring out his heart to God in a godly lament, and he's gonna be questioning God as to why God appears to be silent and uncaring toward his situation. Now Habakkuk is a prophet, and he's seeing everything go wrong in his society and his culture. His nation is declining morally, and there is a foreign army giving a militaristic threat against his people. And chaos is increasing. And so as that goes, lawlessness and a lack of justice also is rising in his day. Fewer and fewer people are willing to do the hard work of being peacemakers, of instilling justice and deciding what to do with the time that is given to them. And instead, they become narrow-minded complainers. And they've given in to compromise morally and ethically, and Habakkuk is overwhelmed by what he is experiencing. Does any of this sound familiar? And he's going to God where he should go with his heart and with his godly lament. And we start in Habakkuk 1 verse 2. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes forth perverted. But then you jump down to verse 12 and you see Habakkuk change a little bit of what he's saying when he says are you not from of old o oh lord my god my holy one you shall not die habakkuk laments about his situation he's not complaining there's a difference between complaint and lament but he comes to god with a lament but then habakkuk does something about it and that's the difference is lament trust god in the midst of the trial complaint is selfish. It's just merely complaint. It's not trusting anyone or anything. It's simply almost like a form of gossip. But Habakkuk says, why me? Why am I born in this time? And where are you, God? But then in verse 12, he affirms, God, you are holy. You have always been, and you will not die. Habakkuk is devastatingly honest much more so than most religious people. Most religious people think they can't cry in public or in private. Or they're too afraid to do it, or they're too afraid to mourn, we're too afraid to to sow in tears, we're too afraid to worship openly, to dance. But Habakkuk is being emotionally honest. And his prayer, his lament here, it's not complaint. It's not a self-centeredness about what he's saying. Because, if you notice, Habakkuk never disowns God. Habakkuk doesn't say, you know what, I'm not going to trust a God like you. I'm done with you. No, he affirms that God is God and His holiness and His eternal promise, but he's holding two things in tension at the same time. I think it's Good to hear that we can be emotionally honest before God when we're wondering during times when God doesn't. We can come to him and cry out in a godly way while still being faithful, while still believing God, and not complaining, but seeing that it's part of relationship in, with you, in your faith. There's a place for mourning. There's a place for lament, a place for tears, Because lament is built on trust and relationship. Habakkuk's being real. As I I said, though, he's not complaining. And sorry to burst the bubble of postmodern culture, but complaining is not a spiritual gift. It's not a spiritual fruit. It's not a virtue. Complaining actually disowns hope, and it's self-serving. And that's not what we see Habakkuk doing. It still trusts God, and, as I said, it holds two things in tension: that God is good, and I know you 're with me, but also, where are you right now? I need you i 'm in a valley i 'm in the dark place i don 't know where to turn, but you see it 's in those moments of hunger for God, of lamenting, of grabbing hold of His promises that actually that God is the closest, and He may be silent because he wants us to hear and learn about ourselves and our motivations and the intents of our heart. But here's a good question, though, and Habakkuk is asking himself this here, and we've asked the same question to ourselves of a, of a life of faith, the life of a Christian, and it is, it is this question, what do you do when God doesn't? Like practically, what am I supposed to do when I feel like God doesn't? And as you see in the Bible, there's plenty of people that ask that same question. Jacob, as we saw last week, literally wrestles with God. Job, let's not even get started with Job, okay? There's a whole thing we could talk about Job. Job is saying, Job does kind of complain, but he also laments. But Job is asking, what do I do when God doesn't? Thomas, in the New Testament, He's the same way. Jesus is resurrected? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I need need some proof. And then Jesus gives him the proof he's looking for. But all of them are trying to decide, what do I do with this time that has been given to me? What do I do with the time I find myself? And instead of complaining... They run to the place they should run, which is in the presence of God. Even if it's with your tears, even if you feel like you're in a valley and you feel alone and there's enemies pressing in around you, this is the healthiest place for your soul to be. I'm going to propose two spiritual disciplines that you can consider when you ask yourself the question, what do I do when I feel like God doesn't? And it's two words, two words, mourning and dancing. Probably not what you expected to hear. Mourning and dancing. Here's what I mean. This is a quote from the author John Eldridge, who's famous for the book Wild at Heart. A lot of other great Christian books. Recommend you read John Eldridge, a fantastic leader in the faith. And he said this about mourning and dancing, or really about worship and grief. Which are the same ideas. He said, I believe we must add two spiritual disciplines to everyday life. The first is worship. We must adore God deliberately, regularly, even personally. So there's worship or dancing, same idea. And the second is the other is grief. We must allow time for sorrow to do our own personal sowing. I see no other way to care for our hearts. Worship and sorrow. Mourning and dancing. These things aren't as far apart as we may think. You know, as I've gotten older, I've certainly been more open to tears and emotion. Um, I think that's good, especially for men, because there's this false idea of masculinity in our culture that if I cry or I'm, I'm emotional, I'm not a man, which I think is a total lie. And I've worked in churches for a long time. I've led worship in front of a lot of people. And I would, I'd see people being emotional before God. It's not all about that, but it's good to bring God how you're feeling. And I see a lot of men standing around the room with their arms crossed, and they just kind of stand there. Because they think if they open themselves, that they're going to lose their masculinity. It's ridiculous. and As we'll see, that it's not even who Jesus was or is. But especially as I've gotten older, and when you have, your, have children, um, I've become even more in touch with this idea of, of tears, not just of sorrow, but just of tears of joy. The first time you see your baby or your children. It's just waterworks. I didn't even anticipate it. It just started coming, these tears. But I've never been, up to that point, I was never a huge crier in my life. And I would go to church camp with youth group, and we have some emotional worship service or something, and there's all these kids crying, and I'd be like, what are they? I don't get it. Like, I I, I kind of want that, but I don't feel it right now, you know? And and faith isn't always about feeling either, but it, it, it it's good. God, God, you know, feelings are God-given. Emotions are gifts of God. It's part of who we are as human beings, holistic human beings. But I've never been... Hugely in touch with that part of my life when I was younger, up until when I was about 20 years old, and something happened that radically shifted this for me, this, and also this idea of, of joy and sorrow, or mourning and dancing, and how it, God uses these spiritual disciplines in our lives when we feel like God doesn't. And I was working with a ministry called Carolina Cross Connection uh, that's been near and dear to my heart for many years, and it's a home repair ministry. And one afternoon over the summer I was visiting a home we were doing some work for, and her name was Miss Deborah. And a youth group came to Miss Deborah's house and they painted the eaves of her home, some minor things for half the day, and and then they left and I, I visited with her for a few moments and we sat at her kitchen table and I learned that Miss Deborah, while she was thankful for the work we did, she was deeply depressed. Her husband had passed away a few years before. She had no friends or family nearby. She lived alone. And so I could sense this about her, I could feel it, and I wanted to do something. I said, "Well, why don't maybe you could go for a walk each day or get involved with a with a local church or or even go see a therapist, to talk to somebody." And she just shook her head and she wasn't interested in any of that. And I tried to fix it. I tried to. I asked God to fix it. You've been like this in your life too. But nothing happened, at least what I could see. And I got into my car. After I left, we shared a prayer together, and we got. I got in my car. And I, and I asked myself the same question we ask ourselves throughout our lives: What do you do when you feel powerless, and you feel like God doesn't? And it's outside of my control to fix or handle. And I got in my car and I drove off. And looking back, I can see it was the Spirit of God led me to do something I'd never done before up to the age of 20. I wept for this woman. My heart was broken for this woman. I could hardly see the lines on the road as tears streamed down my cheeks. And I was broken for her situation. And in many ways, I was just broken for this crazy world that God loves. But here's the point. In that moment, I realized for the first time in my life, I felt the capacity to truly love somebody else. It was the first time I'd really understood it. I was outside of myself. I was outside of my own head for the first time. And my heart broke. And looking back, it was like the outside sh- shell of a seed falling away and dying and new life coming out of that moment. That moment of brokenness, that moment of sorrow, that moment of mourning, there is also joy. It's, there's a mystery to this. But I thought of Psalm one, twenty-six five while I was working on this this week that says, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy, mourning and dancing, sorrow and worship. I realized up to that point in my life, I had been too afraid to cry, too proud, or maybe just too ignorant. And so I wept for her. And in that weeping, I felt God's presence. Many times The things that we love, our hearts will be broken for. And I think this is also how the spirit of God, God's heart is for us as well. The pastor, Tim Keller, has an incredible quote about this idea of sorrow and and mourning and also joy in the midst of times of life when we feel like God doesn't or God hasn't. Keller says, look at Jesus. He was perfect, right? And yet he goes around crying all the time. He does. He's crying. There's probably more places in the Bible that didn't get written down that he did. He's always weeping. But Isaiah prophesied the Messiah would be a man of sorrows. And do you know why? This is Jesus we're talking about. Do you know why he's a man of sorrows? Why is he always crying? Because he is perfect. Because when you are not all absorbed in yourself, you can feel the sadness of the world. And therefore, what you actually have is that the joy of the Lord happens inside the sorrow. It doesn't come after the sorrow. It doesn't come after the uncontrollable weeping. The weeping drives you into the joy. It enhances the joy, and then the joy enables you to actually feel your grief without it sinking you. I'm going to say that again. The joy of the Lord enables you to feel your grief without it actually sinking you. In other words, you're finally emotionally healthy. And as I was driving away, and I was weeping for Miss Deborah, I did feel a bit emotionally healthy for the first time in my life. But I had to let my guard down. I had to be open to having my heart broken for something other than myself. And I had to be open to not be too afraid to cry or too afraid to feel someone else's pain. A person that God loves. And you know what? When this happens, we feel the Holy Spirit groaning along with us. He weeps for the things of this world that break God's heart, He intercedes in our behalf. So there's a place for godly mourning, a place for sowing in tears, like Habakkuk. There's a place for this. That in our faith we should not ignore it, but it's actually healthy to do so. And you find the joy of the Lord in those moments. The great Catholic priest Henry Nouwen said these words about this same idea. He said, we tend to stay away from mourning and dancing. You know, we tend to stay away from mourning. We don't really like that. We don't want to go to funerals. We don't want to feel sad. So we tend to stay away from mourning. And we tend to stay away from dancing. Most of us, because we're all horrible dancers. But we tend to stay away from those things. And so we're too afraid to cry. We're too shy to dance. And so we become narrow-minded complainers, avoiding pain and also true human joy. And while we live in this world that's subject to the evil one, we also belong to God. So let us mourn and let us dance. See, narrow-minded complainers, they don't make the best of the time in which they find themselves godly faith that seeks to thrive in hard conditions we need to learn this from habakkuk and other people throughout the scriptures you can have godly mourning you can be emotionally honest before god you should it's the best place to go to sow in tears but also let us take time to worship personally or corporately to dance before the lord because he is good Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will see no evil. As we saw in Psalm 23 earlier, that our Lord and our shepherd will guide us through those dark times when we feel that God doesn't or God hasn't. He is with us in those storms. So let us remember Jesus' words where he said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. But until those the ultimate fulfillment of those words of Jesus, he has overcome the world spiritually. There's no doubt about that. His work on the cross is atoning work for your sin and mine that today there's forgiveness of sin. If you need the forgiveness of God, you can't forgive yourself ultimately. Only God can do it. And that he this is the one of the proclamations of the good news that that still stands and it is in at work today but until the ultimate fulfillment of jesus's return to the earth we will continue to mourn and let us continue to dance let us continue to sow in tears but let us continue to find the joy in the morning so what do you do when god doesn't let us mourn but also let us dance I'd be honored to pray with you. Let's pray. God, I lift to you those watching and listening right now, and especially for those that are in a very dark season, as many of us are. We continue to trust your promises, O oh God, that you are faithful day after day, and you will continue to be so, that you are our shepherd, our good shepherd. And God, this life of faith, It requires us to be led. Slow down our hearts, O God, our minds. Empty us, God, of things that are overwhelming us. Let us be still, O God, and know that you are God. From age to age, you do not change. And may the peace of Christ rest upon each soul listening to this now. Let us remember there's a place for mourning and a place for dancing, a place for rejoicing and a place for sorrow. That we can bring to you the full spectrum of how we feel day after day and that you want to hear. You're a perfect father in heaven. If good parents here on earth want to hear how we're doing, of course you, God, want to hear how we're doing. And in those moments of sorrow, you will bring healing. Our whole lives are a testament to healing day after day. You heal us of so many things that we don't even take, a, take notice of sometimes. Guide us as we sing these songs to you, Lord. You are good. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So true. He is worthy indeed. Even though all creation is groaning, all creation waits for the new birth that scripture foretells let us mourn and let us dance in the age in which we find ourselves let us to to decide what we will do with the time that is given to us with god's help and the best place we can go is into god's presence and as we close with a benediction i was thinking about psalm chapter 40 where the psalmist has a lot of this kind of language of god i trust you but where are you psalm 40 says how long will i sing this song how long will we continue with this? How long will we sing this song of this planet? And the answer is, I don't know. But as we leave this time of worship, you and I can go and sing a new song into the world. The song of Jesus. The song of the resurrection. Amen. The song of the forgiveness of sins. The songs of the peace of Of prince of peace who wants to come and live within people's hearts and change their lives we can sing that song when we lift up the name of jesus above your own life you will find your life so let's go and be real and authentic to the world and say you know what i don't have all the answers but i know that jesus is real and that he is good and that he will come again and until that day we will mourn but we will also dance And we will sing a new song. A new creation is coming, my friends. And you and I get to take part in that. So go in the power of the Holy Spirit and be the hands and feet of Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.